And welcome back to an episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we've slowly started to recover from Thursday's injury news about Carl Lawson. Um, and certainly Saturday's preseason game against the, the Packers helped. Specifically, Zach Wilson's performance. That's two in a row for the young rookie where he looked like a seasoned veteran. So I guess we can just go ahead and put him in Canton. Yeah, he, if he retired today, he would be the winningest quarterback in Jets history in terms of winning percentage. So I don't think it's too much of a stretch. Um, but yeah, he, this was definitely a great way for him to build on that debut against the Giants. Obviously, played two more drives than he did in the first game. So for him to you know, extend his playing time into the second quarter and build upon some of the things that he did in that game against the Giants, um, we saw um, some more throws down the field. We saw a little bit of that scrambling, improvisational ability from him. Um, and, and just even more consistency than in the first game and just more variety in his throws as well. So, um, yeah, it was a great way for him to build on it. And through two games, he's got a, a very good start for him to carry into the season and hopefully which he can maintain into a third preseason game. Yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, obviously that he hasn't played a starting defense. We haven't really seen him with a, you know, a heavy blitz presence. His offensive line has held up pretty well. He's been kept pretty clean. And yeah, vanilla offenses and vanilla defenses. But can everybody just give Jets fans a break? I mean, they're excited about their young quarterback. And I keep seeing members of the media keep trying to downplay his performance. Let's be honest. He was flawless on Saturday. He had one missed throw to Corey Davis. And not to that, he looks great. And look, preseason doesn't matter, I guess, that much. But it is, it's a step above college. It's not nothing. Like, you can tell which teams are well coached. And there's a lot of things that Zach Wilson is showing right now that are going to translate to the regular season. I mean, just how calm he looks in the pocket, the way he's going through his progressions, the way the ball flies out of his hand. And there is still a difference in the way that he's making plays than the way that some other young quarterbacks have made plays that are pretty much all predicated on breaking the play and playing backyard football. I mean, he's he's getting to the line, reading what the defense is doing, knowing which receiver is going to be open and, and throwing the ball with great anticipation, with great leverage. I mean, he's doing a lot of things that are you can be impressed by, and it's not the end-all, be-all. He still has to do it in a regular season game. Like, you know, I think the the week two matchup at home against the, the Patriots, Bill Belichick has made a living killing young quarterbacks, specifically rookie quarterbacks. We saw Sam Darnold, who wasn't a rookie at that point, literally say he was seeing ghosts on the sideline. Like, that is a moment that you can really – it's a good litmus test for where Zach Wilson at, is in his career, but these preseason games, it's it's, we get to check another box. He took another step forward and for all of the training camp buzz about him, quote unquote, struggling. I mean, you can see why training camp practices aren't that important in the grand scheme of things. These games are a lot more important and you can see the improvement he's making in each and every week. So I think we get to be excited about this guy and he did a lot of really good stuff on Saturday. Michael, I guess what jumped out for you, uh, specifically about, I guess, the growth you saw from week one to week two and that he started to do some other things, like you mentioned, getting outside the pocket, throwing balls deeper down the field. But it seemed like he just kept building on a, on a good performance against uh, the Giants and made an even better one against the Packers. Well, yeah, I think you're right about the excitement being legitimate because I think the things he's doing well are transferable to what actually makes you successful as an NFL quarterback. The stats are great. But, you know, if you're putting up stats because he had just one 90-yard touchdown pass that bloats up the numbers or, you know, he just made one scrambling play or, you know, if he just had a couple flashy plays that pumped his numbers up or if there were screens or whatever, you know, then it's just flashy numbers that don't have a lot of substance to them. But what he's done these first two games is look like an NFL quarterback who is comfortable in his offense, 
knows how to make his reads, is understanding what is being called for him, just making good pre-snap decisions, identifying favorable matchups, going to them quickly. Um, he just looks comfortable within the structure of the offense. And we know what he can do outside the pocket, making things happen when they break down. And we saw a little bit of that on that throw deep down the sideline to Corey Davis. Uh, it's just operating within the structure where he's looked so impressive. And that that's the biggest hurdle for rookie quarterbacks. We've seen so many young Jets quarterbacks struggle with it and just young quarterbacks across the league where, you know, the physical talent is there and you see, you see flashes of it for everyone, but it's, can you consistently make the right decision uh, within the structure of your offense? And that's what he's doing. The decision-making has been great. He's thrown 20 passes, which is not a lot, but 20 passes and he really hasn't made a bad decision yet. He missed the throw to Corey Davis in the flat in this Packers game, which was bad. And there was the one throw, to Corey Davis to the left side where he's a little bit inside, but in terms of decision-making, he just hasn't made a bad decision yet. He hasn't thrown one pass that was even close to being picked off. And just looking at all the options available and every play that he's dropped back so far, he's picking the right guy pretty right. much every single time. And that's what is most important. Are you making the right decision? We know the physical talents there. That's why you're the second overall pick. That's why you're in the NFL. Everyone can make special throws in this league. And there are some things he can do that put him above even most quarterbacks in the NFL from an arm angle, really speed standpoint. And he has impressed with that too, but it's just the consistency of the decision-making and being able to operate within the offense, understand his role in the offense, understand the reads he needs to make and making them quickly and fluidly and decisively. And he's shown it's 20 passes. This is a lot of praise for 20 passes in the preseason, right. but, um, but that's what I think is most important. The stuff he's doing is, legitimate um from a mental standpoint from a fundamental standpoint is is the stuff that you need to see to be successful in the league it's not just physical talents not just a couple special plays consistency um and just just consistently thriving in areas that are important to be a long-term successful quarterback yeah his football iq to me is further along than any other jets rookie i've seen and that was i mean clearly the case that why the Jets picked him, you got the sense that they were pretty much blown away by this kid. And you can hear it when he talks. Um, but when you when you watch these film breakdowns on Jets X Factor or other, uh, we, we break down the X's and O's of of what exactly is happening on the play. Because like you said, I mean, look, like I think his, his, his eyes and his feet are tied together. He's a lot of physical traits that are exciting for a young quarterback that they don't have. Like that was something, we keep mentioning Sam Darnold's name, but that was something Sam Darnold struggle, struggling with was he would throw with his feet parallel to the line of scrimmage. Zach Wilson not doing that. I mean, his his footwork is t- is tied up. His pocket moving is tied up. His quick release is outstanding. There's all those physical traits, like you said. But to me, what's been the most impressive is just how calm and comfortable he looks. And you know, it is a de- it is preseason, so it's I guess a vanilla offense, vanilla defense. It's backups, but it's still a step above college. And may I say that Michael Flores preseason offense looks a hell of a lot more complicated than Adam Gase's offense when he was trying to, to save his job. So it's not yeah. like this is some juvenile offense. He is running an NFL offense. And that's the thing that I've loved about this because it's just preseason. And look, we haven't seen the Jets with Elijah Moore, who I think is really going to open up this playbook for him. But LaFleur is doing such a good job of giving Wilson some easy completions, just getting free yards, using those matchups, using you know condensed formations, just you know, a, a modern day 21st century offense, manipulating the defense and taking advantage of, of um, the NFL rules. I think he's done such a good job through two preseason games. Yeah. But of, of 
making Zach Wilson feel comfortable. But from Zach Wilson's perspective, I guess it would just be that his his pre-snap recognition and his post-snap processing has been off the charts through two preseason games. And, you know, it, it's it's just another step in his development. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't mean he's going to be an amazing quarterback, but through these these do matter. Like we said last week, if he was bad, you could criticize him for being bad. You know, you, you could make the excuses of look, he's a rookie, he has growing pains, and those are valid, but him doing good is still a good thing. You don't want to overreact to it, but you don't want to downplay it. You know, I thought he's looked as good as any other rookie quarterback, if not better than all of them through two weeks, uh, through, through two weeks. So, uh, you know, this, this off season as a whole has been a, a great one for Jets fans. Obviously Thursday was a bit of a bummer, but I think I said this to you, Michael, that, you know, obviously as bad as the Carl Lawson news was, I'm so grateful for how everything has turned out this off season that although I was really bummed about it, I've had to watch Adam Gase coach the Jets for two two straight years. That was infinitely worse than losing our best player before the season. You know what I mean? Like this, it's like, okay, I'll take Carl Lawson. Obviously on a personal level for him, I'm extremely bummed. And as a fan, I'm extremely bummed, but it's like, I'm still excited about this team. And there's a lot to be excited about. And the way that Zach Wilson has played throughout these first two, two weeks. And, and you touched on a really important part. I mean, he's first in yards per attempt throughout these two weeks. So it's not like he's just, he's getting some, some nice, uh, you know, open throws schemed up for him and stuff, but he's throwing down the field. He's attacking the defense. Um, so I'm just excited to see him with, with Vera Tucker and more out there and opening up the playbook, you know, week one can't get here uh, fast enough. There are a few I, other I, things. I want to make a quick, oh, a quick point. Yeah, I like a point you made about Lawson and the fact that, um, that he that he can suffer that injury and we could still come out a few days le- later feeling really optimistic. And Robbie Sabo wrote a really good article on this topic at JetX where, you know, as bad as the injury is, the positive part of it and the silver lining is the fact that this team still does have a lot going for it and there still is a lot of competition at edge rusher and there still is depth on the defensive line. Just the fact that this team isn't built to the point where it needs to rely on its free agent additions to carry it. And by all means, it's a huge loss. They're not going to replicate his production on the edge, but at the same time, it's a team that is working towards being able to thrive without those building through the draft, you know, having a lot of draft capital in the future, having young talent of its own that it's already started to develop and just across the roster, having a good coaching staff that's proven it could withstand injuries like this, like Robert Sala did last season, losing Nick Bosa and plenty right. of other talent still being a top 10 defense. There are a lot of reasons that you can lose a player as good as Lawson and it will hurt a lot. Again, they're not going to replicate what he does, but um, there are a lot of reasons that this team can lose a player like that, but is better equipped to handle it than they have been in the past. And that's how you become a winning franchise. You have to be able to survive this sort of thing to be able to win because it happens to everybody. So I think there are silver linings in the way that you can react to this injury and still feel confident about the team, even with it happening. I I, look, that's a good segue. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, uh, There's news about uh, there's new injury news about the rest of the team. There's other takeaways from the preseason game. Obviously the Eagles game is coming up. Um, But among the more interesting pieces of news from the weekend was Adam Schefter tweeting about, how the Jets are looking um, for a potential trade to replace Carl Lawson's production. Cause I'll fight back on that point a little bit. You know, I do think the Jets were relying on this free agent a lot. You know, I I get what you're saying that there's still so much positive energy around this team. And look, Jets weren't winning a Super Bowl this year. This year was about, you know, building for the future, 
you know, you want to see development from all these players. It doesn't mean that I want the Jets to be losing. I'm, I don't think unless we get to later in the season, I'll be cheering for the Jets to, to lose any games. I mean, I think I can say that pretty safe unless Zach Wilson goes down at that point, maybe, but like in December and the, if they're out of the playoff race, then maybe I'll cheer for them then. But this, this season is about winning, but it's more so about development. You want this, you want to see what, you know, like what the dolphins did, I guess last year they won 10 games. So that's maybe a bad example. You just want to see them move forward in the right direction. You want to see Zach Wilson take steps and you want to be confident in the future. And you want the league to be put on notice that, Hey, Joe Douglas has two first round picks and two second round picks this spring and the most cash space in the league. You know what I mean? That's what you're trying to get out of this. But this team was really relying on Carl Lawson and this defense specifically. And like the Packers game is not a really, it's not a good litmus test because you know, they're playing their third string quarterback and it's preseason and the Jets didn't have a lot of their own starters out there. So you can't really draw too many conclusions about that. But this position in this defense is the most important one. And it's not a house of cards per se. Like you saw that Robert Sala adjusted when Bosa went down and he blitzed more or whatever. But the scheme that Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich were implementing, they need a good pass rush. And they specifically need that Leo defensive end that Carl Lawson was playing to, to reliably and consistently get pressure. Um, because if he doesn't, then you're going to see the entire defense, the linebackers and the secondary suffer. So they were really relying on a free yeah. agent. Let's not sugarcoat it. Yeah, I, I, and, I think I, I think I worked. Maybe I worded it wrong. I think more so like they're definitely relying on him, but I think it's more so that you look at the infrastructure of the team and the way that Douglas has made moves and the way that the coaching staff has approached right. things. It's more that in the future, you, it feels like they're close to being a team right. that's not going to have to do that. Right now they are because they won two games last year. So right. yes, they were relying on Lawson at that point and it's going and, to hurt, but and, I think you could feel good that they're close to not having to do that. that oh, I, look, I don't think this offseason could have gotten any better. I mean, that's not hyper hyperbolated for me to say. I, I think but from Sala to free agency to the draft, I've been blown away by what Joe Douglas has done. But Carl Lawson going down is a big blow, not just for winning games, but just, I would say, for the development of the defense as a whole. And look, somebody like Bryce Hall or Bryce Huff might step up. Hell, maybe Bryce Hall at the, the corner. Um, somebody in the defensive line will end up stepping up. And I think getting Quinn and Williams back is going to be huge. And I think Sala and Ulbrich are going to do a good job of you know, scheming to compensate, maybe blitzing more, using more stunts, you know, weaponizing Quinn and Williams is maybe more of a pass rusher. Um, but I, I do like that Joe Douglas is sniffing around the trade market. And I wanted to right, get your I thoughts agree. on that. Um, who won? What are your thoughts on that? And the argument that, look, this team isn't competing. They shouldn't trade future assets for, a, you know, quote unquote, win now move. Uh, and then to piggyback off that, maybe who are some of the names that you would be interested or you think Joe Douglas could be interested in bringing in? Yeah, I definitely. And I think a point you just brought up about a couple of minutes ago really speaks to why this is important. And I think it's about development to um, for the rest of the roster. I think that's one of the most important reasons that you make um, that you explore an addition like this at this point, because, again, like you said, this is a very important position in this defense because of the domino effect that it has on everybody else collapsing the pocket. So the defensive tackles have chances to get sacks and favorable opportunities to rush. Um, just making sure the quarterback has less time. So the young secondary that you're trying to develop doesn't have to cover as long and their jobs are easier. Um, it's, there are so many ways it affects the development and the ability to evaluate everyone else in the roster. So if you get a whole season, what you got against the Packers where the Jets edge rushers had three pressures the whole game, it's going to be tough to, you know, not only win games, but evaluate your, the three cornerbacks you drafted and you know your young defense so it, it affects the team in a lot of ways 
So I think the idea that, you know, the Jets aren't winning, like the idea that the Jets aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. So you don't make any moves to try and improve the team is I really don't agree with it at all. I think that applies, you know, should the Jets trade multiple first round picks for some superstar edge rusher or make that kind of investment? No, I don't think they should do that. But, you know, if you could get Olivier Vernon, who I'm not sure if Vernon's healthy, he had an Achilles injury in January, so he may or may not be ready to go. But if you can get a guy like him, if you could buy low and a guy like Dante Fowler, trade a low day three pick for him. He's on a one-year deal, played under Jeff Ulbrich last year. Uh, well, he has one year left on his deal uh, after a restructure. Played under Jeff Ulbrich last year, played under Robert Sala in Jacksonville. Uh, and is coming off of a, a bad year, so his stock is pretty low, but we know he has talent. A guy like Dante Fowler, um, Derek Barnett or Josh Sweat with the Eagles, guys whose contracts are coming up soon. If you could get someone like that and just give up a day three pick or something and you know try to preserve the integrity of your defense a little bit, make up for what you lost with Carl Lawson, help help you help yourselves evaluate evaluate the rest of the defense by improving your edge rush and just win games winning games is good just just because you're not winning the super bowl doesn't mean you want to be tanking every year you got to win right. games to move we, forward. we've tanked enough let's be honest yeah like if they're in the top like, five that's fine but it is still a bit of a failure yeah and, and i look to the i'm a knicks fan and the knicks and the nba are, are a good example of this the knicks for a long time throughout this past decade put so many young players on the court and just tanked and tanked and tanked and it got nowhere, but they finally added some decent veteran players. And now and combine that with and their now they're an eight seed and they're a fourth <laughs> seed. Let's, let's be factually correct. But, but yeah, now they're on the way up. I was talking about this year. Through, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't know, but, but still it's like, like you, you have, you have to try to win games to get better and improve your culture and improve your reputation makes you more attractive to free agents makes you more attractive to players who want to want trades even attracting coaches and just we talk about culture all the time with this team winning games is what makes the culture better you you got and you got as a front office show the roster that you're trying to win by you know players get hurt let's try to make the talent better let's not throw in the towel i just don't agree with that at all if if you're the lions if you're the texans and your team is very bad and really needs to rebound, then yeah, like go ahead and tank. Those teams can try to do that. But if you're the Jets, like the Dolphins last year, you mentioned them earlier, win games, move forward, move your team forward, develop talent, create competition within your roster. That's another thing. Don't just hand Bryce Huff a starting spot. Keep pushing him, add more talent, give him another veteran who could teach him things. There are so, so many reasons that adding another edge rusher if at an affordable cost through trade or free agency um, to replace Lawson for this year makes sense. So to not do that just because, you know, you want to maybe pick 12th instead of 14th just doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. It's how you get players to buy in too. I think, you know, it's one thing the Adam Gase ship was sinking. So it was like, all right, we'll lose as many games as possible. I don't give a, I don't give a crap if players buy into Adam Gase. Um, I don't care if Frank Gore is catching a six yard halfback pass for a first down of the Jets win. Like that was disappointing, but like it's the Robert Sala era. I would much rather the Jets win eight games than five games. Even if that's the difference of seven draft picks and they don't make the playoffs either way. I would, I, you know, and there's, there's different types of wins. We learned this in 2019. All, not all wins are created equal, 
but we want the Jets to be competitive. We want them to play better teams than them tight. We want them to win games. They, they shouldn't, they may lose a lot of games at the end, but that's fine. Just look like a competitive team. And in this defense needs a good pass rusher. So I think that there's two ways to go about it. One way is to, and I agree with you. I like, I, I don't think I would – I would touch the first or second round picks unless you're getting like an elite edge rusher in his prime, which I don't really think there's any one of those on the market. A third rounder I could be convinced depending on who it is. But, yeah, preferably a fourth or fifth rounder is kind of the, the type of pick you'd be trading. Who knows? Maybe a player would be attached that the Jets have – or deeper receiver, maybe they'd part there, but that's a different topic. I don't know if I'd want to give up the depth. But probably going to be a pick trade. One way to do it is you trade for an older guy. Like, let's just say, obviously Chandler Jones is the name that, that has been floated around a lot because he is uh, had 19 sacks two, two years ago. He was injured last year. He's 31. Uh, you know, God knows if he wants to, to go to the Jets, but he did request a trade. He is a 3-4 outside linebacker. I, I think he did play. I think I see you, he played 4-3 defensive end in New England, though. And, you know, in this scheme, I'm sure they could find a way to get a passenger like him involved. But you know, you could trade for an old one-year stopgap, which isn't the worst idea in the world because then you just let him walk after the year. You sacrifice the pick, but you, you use it for the development of the rest of the team, and then Lawson comes back. Or you could trade it for a guy who potentially, if he plays well, could be the starter opposite Lawson in 2022, which I don't know if there's many guys out there that are locked in as that, but there are a few guys in the two that you mentioned that I really want to talk about that could come in and I could see them playing well enough. And then you'd have a decision on your hands to make about, do we play to pay him or John Franklin Myers or whatever. But the two guys that I'm really interested are Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat, like you said, because the Jets are having joint practices with the Eagles this week. They're both going to be in Florham Park. It, they're both free agents after the season. The Eagles are not going to keep both of them. Barnett specifically was a high draft pick and a guy that Joe Douglas reported they loved. I mean, that was the, the player that, I forget, I think it was a, sports illustrated article that kind of just went in depth in Joe Douglas's tenure in Philly. And that was the player that Harry Roseman walked in to, to the Eagle, to Joe Douglas's office and said, uh, basically based off everything that Joe Douglas and him had gone over about player evaluation, but they basically both agreed. They love this player. And it was both Derek, Derek Burnett. That was the player they both loved. So we know Joe Douglas likes him and there's a need. He's a guy I really would keep an eye out for. Um, I, I think he makes all the sense in the world. Josh sweat, um, is obviously another guy and that connection between uh, another guy who's probably had a little bit slightly more production, but they're both, you know, talented and can come in here and produce. And obviously there's that connection between Howie and Joe Douglas between those two guys. And uh, well, actually we'll start a little more broad, which strategy of the stopgap versus the potential replacement uh, do you think makes more sense for the jets? And then looking between those two Eagles guys, because they're both going to be here. Um, this week, which one is more appealing to you? Well, I think every player has a price, you know, like if a star becomes available, if there is a star out there that we're not talking about that you can get for a first round pick and it makes sense for that player, then, you know, why not do it? Khalil Mack. But I th- yeah, let's, let's go get Khalil Mack. Um, but yeah, it's, I think the main thing that they'll be trying to do here is try to find one of these guys who is on an expiring contract who can help them this year, but also, you know, if they do turn out to be a good scheme fit, they are young enough and you could talk contract with them after the season and maybe think about keeping them long-term. So both Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, Eagles guys from Joe Douglas's tenure who can play with their hands in the dirt at the end in a 4-3 defense. 
Um, and like you said, the Jets will be seeing them up close this week. Um, between the two, Barnett is definitely the more established starter who's been playing big snaps for the last few years, and he's a good all-around player. He hasn't been a huge sack guy, but he's been pretty well above average, both as a pass rusher and a run defender. Um, hasn't shown really flashes of elite ability, so I don't think there's much of a ceiling with Barnett, but I think there's a really high floor. I think you can feel confident you're getting a good all-around player, and, and not just you know, that word gets thrown a lot around. It gets thrown around a lot, like good, a guy's good. To me, good means you're above average. You're better than more people than you're worse than. And Derek Barnett is that. It's not like, I don't know, the Jets have and, some players. And maybe this Robert Sala attacking front can unlock a player like that to, to take him to another level. Right, for sure. And and Barnett is only 25 years old. Josh Sweat is only 24 years old. So there is some upside, both of them. Sweat is more of an upside play. He's Earlier in his career than Barnett has played significantly fewer snaps. He's been mostly a situational player. Um, and the pressure, the consistency, the pressure hasn't been there to the level of Barnett. He's been below average there. But the flashes have been, I think, higher. He had three forced fumbles last year, six sacks, pretty limited snaps, um, and then four sacks and pretty limited snaps the previous year. So um, the upside with big plays with Sweat, I think, is a lot better. And there's could be some more untapped potential in terms of him not getting as much playing time throughout his career. Um, so I think that's what you're getting with these two guys. Sweat, a little more upside, lower floor. Barnett, I think that's a guy who you can throw right in and is a good starter. Probably the best all-around edge rusher. If you're not including Frank, uh, John Franklin Myers, probably the best all-around edge rusher you have between those two guys. So we'll be. In, I think both these guys make sense in terms of what the Jets are looking for, if you can get them for a day three pick. I don't think I'd – a fourth-round pick – I'd probably go fourth-round pick for Barnett. Third I pro- is probably a little bit much for me on an expiring contract. Sweat, probably probably fifth. But, you know, right. like you said, the Eagles had both these guys expiring. They're not going to keep both of them. So I think they would maybe be willing to just get what they can. So does a short-term move like a Chandler Jones appeal, appeal to you, or are you more locked in on those younger guys? I think with Chandler Jones, one thing it's important. I think a lot of people aren't realizing with him that even not only is he older and coming off the bicep surgery that cost him 11 games last year, but even before he got hurt last season, he was kind of already showing that he might be hitting that wall. His numbers across the board as a pass rusher were well below average. His pressure rate was at the 10th percentile among edge rushers in, uh, in the five games he played last year, which obviously isn't a lot but it's only a third of a season, but he was pretty consistently across the five games he played performing at a below average level. So I think that's, that's worth noting. He could bounce back for sure. He's one of the best pass rushers of this past decade, but it's, it's worth noting that he just wasn't playing good last year, even before he got injured in addition to the fact that he's older and coming off surgery. So um, I, I would be a little skeptical of Chandler Jones. And there's also the scheme fit aspect. I think he can play D end. He did it in new england but um he is for the most mostly i think his best fit is as a stand-up outside linebacker like he has been with the cardinals so i I personally would just feel a bit wary of chandler jones but if the jets feel confident in his medicals and his scheme fit and they want to take a shot then um it's worth taking a look at because obviously the ceiling is as high as it can get all right let's move on from carl lawson uh, and talk about some other topics. I guess briefly, uh, Gerard Davis, that was the big injury news that came out this week, that he's going to be out till week six. So the Jets will be sliding in another rookie to play 
and Jamie and Sherwood. How do you feel about that? And how do you feel about the depth the Jets are currently have at linebacker? Because I kind of think this is a position they may add somebody at the at the uh, cut down next week. Yeah, this is definitely a position they, they could look at that for, unless they do feel really confident in Jamie and Sherwood to start and Nazarel Dean to be that third linebacker. Oh, uh, no, I think they're going to start. I just meant the depth of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And so they definitely could add to it just because they are, they were all, it was already going to be thin with just, um, I think, who they had Jared Davis, uh, Mosley, Nazarel Dean, Sherwood, and Cashman is, you know, I, I mean, you could run with that. That's five guys, but they didn't have much beyond that. And then, you know, if one guy gets hurt, you're in a little bit of trouble in a four, three. So they could definitely add some more depth there, but I like how these young linebackers have played in the preseason so far. They both looked really comfortable out there. They've had a nose for a big play, which, which I think is actually an overrated trade at times because, you know, like fumble recoveries, th- those are just luck. If the ball bounces into your hands, there's nothing special about that, but it is cool that they've been in position to make those Make those plays. Um, Sherwood Nazarel deemed the force fumble in the first game. Sherwood had a pass deflection the first game. Um, and, and just more important than that, they really haven't been toasted in coverage. You, know, you see it all the time. It's, you know, if there's a linebacker who can't cover, the other team's going to find them, especially a young one. And neither of these guys have been exposed in that way so far. So I think that's promising. And the tackling, too, between them. Uh, there were a lot of tackling issues on this defense against the Packers, but none of the missed tackles that were credited went to either of them. So I like the way that they played. I'm intrigued to see what they can do getting thrown into the fire right away. It's going to be risky. The the floor is low. Blake Cashman got a lot of playing time as a rookie once, um, once Mosley went down and then he struggled, even though he had an impressive preseason. So um, the, there's a lot of risk with it. It could most, and most likely, honestly, they are going to struggle. That's what you would expect. Right. I like their potential and what they've shown so far. Yeah. When you look at the rest of that defense on Saturday, let's just talk about some takeaways from it. I I think that, look, one of the things that annoyed me specifically about the, the Packers commentating duo is that they kept, it was, it was like they were pretending that the jets were playing their best 22 guys. I mean, the jets had a lot of weird rotations going on. There were a lot of guys who were injured. We know Elijah Moore, no Elijah Vera Tucker, Denzel Mims, Sheldon Rankins, Quinn and Williams, et cetera. You know, you look at deep LaMarcus Joyner, who had a great uh, week one. Um, so the Jets had a lot of weird rotations going on, and they had a lot of guys out. Um, but with Carl Lawson and Jared Davis, who are the two big injuries, I guess I would say, from this unit, how concerned are you from the performance that they had, keeping in mind that there were some weird rotations with Don and the linebacks and the safeties? They did not look good in the run defense, which you know can be a, a weakness for this, this style of defense. And – you know, the starters, even guys like Marcus May and Bryce Hall, they're past, they, they made, you know, boneheaded decisions in, in past uh, coverage. So I guess, are you, how concerned are you based off this, this preseason game going up against Kurt Benkert uh, and, and Matt LaFleur? Well, I think, oh, well, first on the com on the commentators, I had the privilege of uh, watching the broadcast with Ian Eagle on it here in New York. So that, oh, that was nice. Ho- hopefully we, hopefully we get some Ian Eagle games this year. He is, top notch he might be number one in my book in terms of play-by-play guys in the nfl hopefully Jets I can are get good enough. That. yeah i think he doesn't have the big game kind of reputation as some of the other guys who call playoff games do um but, but he's fantastic but anyway with the defense i think the run defense was the biggest question in this game and I, i'm not concerned because 
because of the fact that most of the guys who are making these mistakes aren't starters anyway. You know, Quinn Williams wasn't out there fully, barely played. Um, Mosley played half the game. Um, but, you know, for the most part, your starters weren't out there. So um, if guys like, uh, you know, Jeremiah Valuaga on the edge and Edmund Robinson and these guys are making mistakes, it's, it's like it doesn't affect your starting defense. But, um, but I think the schematic philosophy – of this defense, we are starting to see uh, in these first two games, we've seen signs of how playing the way that they play can affect your run defense. Because and, uh, keep in mind, keep in mind, Matt LaFleur is intimately, uh, you know, aware of this type of defense. He's gone up against Roberts all a lot. They had joint practices this week. So they both teams kind of knew each other's weaknesses intimately. Right. Right. And, but, but I think the biggest thing is that uh, I'm, I'm not concerned because it had the start whole starring defense has been out there, especially their best player and Quinn and Williams. Um, but you're starting, you can see how playing a four, three attacking defense can hurt your run defense. The Packers and the giants both had success calling draws. You know, if you're every defensive lineman's attacking one gap going straight up the field. So, you know, give a delayed handoff, let those guys run themselves out of the play and then put the running back in a situation where the guys at the second level have to make really tough plays and that's what we've seen happen to the Jets over these first few games. And they're going to have better talent going against it in the regular season, but they're also going to have better blockers and better rushers going against them. So um, I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen. But in terms of the players who are struggling, I think it started up front with Jonathan Marshall and Nathan Shepard. Those two guys got pushed around a lot in the run game, gave up a lot of movement. Just in addition to the, the one gapping aggressiveness, um, you could still blow up plays playing that way. Aaron Donald does it with the Rams, um, but you just got to be able to win and get angles on the running back at meaningful penetration. But if you're just getting pushed around and letting the offensive line dictate where your momentum carries you, then it makes it really easy for the running back to make decisions and he gets plenty of room. And that's kind of what Marshall and Shepard were struggling with in this game. So they struggled. There were a lot of missed tackles across the entire defense, too many guys to name. Um, but yeah, I think that's most concerning, but there were some positive, uh, positives in this game and the secondary specifically Michael Carter, the second, I did a film review of him at Jets X factor 16 snaps in coverage and wasn't targeted once because he was just so, so consistent with playing his role and locking down his guy. He was great. Um, Brandon Nichols that it made the interception wasn't, you know, necessarily a great coverage play ball just got thrown right to him but he made a great play and he only gave up one catch for four yards in this game um Sherrod Neesman I thought looked really good made some good last line defense plays um so I think for the most part Isaiah Dunn struggled in coverage in his debut but the young DBs I think have been impressive these first two games they this is a unit that I think most of us expected to come out and just get torched left and right but first two games they've been making a lot more plays than the opposing wide receivers have so i'm impressed with the young defensive backs absolutely and i think that you know more impressive to me because like look i think the defensive struggles got a little overblown like you were saying there were a lot of depth guys that were out there that were making mistakes uh and i do think that joint practice and and matt floor's intimate understanding of robert Sala's defense is important to note here um, but when you look at the offense, I thought there was a lot of positives to take away there, specifically the starting offense, which I don't, be- I don't believe they've had a single three and out, which I don't know when the last time you could say oh. that about any jets offense throughout, you know, through two games, obviously it's not a full, full game, but, 
Uh, regardless, I've been impressed with Michael Floor. I'm excited to see, like I said, when Moore is back, when AVT is back, when the playbook gets opened up a little bit more. But, you know, for all the chatter about Mekhi Becton struggling in practice, uh, I thought, you know, the, the offensive line, him, McGovern, a few other guys had some, some solid games, and Mo- Morgan Moses didn't even play. Yeah, this was a really good performance for the starting offense for the second straight game. And like you said, the, the consistency is, what, is what's so impressive. No three and outs through two games, only six drives, you know, like half of a real game. So hopefully that can become the norm in the regular season. Uh, But it's just the consistency has been excellent. And yes, they've been playing mostly against backups, but they also don't have Elijah Vera Tucker or Elijah Moore out there. So they've had their losses as well. Um, But I think the offensive line in this game was for the second straight game, really other than Dan Feeney in the first game, the starting and Feeney played better in this game. So other than him in the first game, the starting O-line has been really solid. The starting five against the Packers combined to give up only one pressure. Uh, that one was to Becton, but Becton also had none in the first game. So still good overall. Um, but George Fant was really good in this game. And he played a lot beyond uh, when the first team O-line came out. He played throughout the entire game, even played some left tackle. Uh, but he was really good. Connor McGovern has had some great one-on-one reps where he's dominated guys to create room. Uh, so very impressive start for the first team offensive line so far. I think there have been some question marks with this with the second and third team offensive line units, but the first team group has been very good so far in the passing game. Yeah, last year is such a low bar to clear, um, but you can already tell this offense is going to move the football um, because that's what not getting three and outs is is so important. Uh, because you you can help win the field position battle. Even if you only get one first down and then you end up punting two plays later, you still you know helped your defense out. You know you get you gave your defense a rest. You helped even out the field position. And speaking of field position, I thought Braden Mann had a, another good day. Um, so yeah. uh, you know I've been I've been very impressed. Oh, you want to talk about Braden Mann? I I do want to. Talk okay, sorry. About go Braden ahead. Mann. Sorry, my bad. I was going to gloss over that, but I might as well give him to his biggest fan. Yeah, you you can see my face light up when when Braden Man comes up, but but yeah, Braden Man, this is two straight games now where we've seen some promise, and and let, let's give some criticism where it's due. He wasn't perfect. I remember one kind of stinker he had where he was just a line drive kick with no hang time whatsoever. So he's not perfect yet, but he's playing uh, for two straight games now. We've seen substantial progress over last season. Three out of his four punts in this game inside the twenty. 46 yards of distance per punt. Um, so this is the second straight game he's done that, at least 46 yards of punt, over half of his punts inside the 20, and he did that once last season. So we've this is pretty good, a, a very promising start for him. Not perfect. I think the hang time still needs to improve, but the we've seen substantial improvement with the touch. The main thing is, I think, that the touch dropping punts inside the 20-yard line has been much improved for last season. Yeah. And and staying as special teams for a little bit, Amendola. Yeah. But yeah, he looked very good. I mean, I think that you and I kind of both assumed that they would claim somebody off waivers, but Amendola, especially if it's another good game as the Eagles, might might be able to lock down a roster spot. Oh yeah, Matt Amendola. And it it's cool to see because this is kind of the notion or just the thought that I got from the very first time I saw him kick live at the green and white scrimmage. I was like, you know, he has a leg, especially compared to Chris the kicker, who is on the street now. But he had another good performance, and it was good to see from multiple distances. We saw it from 54, 46, and 30. Um, let's be fair, the 46-yarder, he 
barely snuck in there. <laughs> so a couple more inches, that one doesn't go in. Maybe the you know the story's entirely different now, but he got it in, and the other two kicks were uh, no doubters, if I remember correctly. Um, well, the fifty-four, the fifty-four looked like it could be good from sixty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that really 50, flashed. Yeah, the fifty-four was really good. That had plenty of distance. That was a no doubter. So, and he also made the extra point. His kickoffs are good. He's able to kick touchbacks when you need him to. And he, I think I think with kickoffs, a lot of people think it's just how many touchbacks can you get. But most kickoff returns don't get to the twenty-five or, or even close. I think generally the average is the twenty-one or twenty-two. So a lot of coordinators want their their kicker to be able to drop the ball in that two yards deep, one yard deep in the end zone spot where you entice the kick returner to take it out and you can gain some yards by stopping him short of the 25. And you need good hang time to do that effectively so the coverage team can get down there. And Amendola does that pretty well uh, in addition to his kicking. So um, as of right now, I think he's set to enter the season as the Jets kicker unless he, unless he struggles in this next game then maybe they could explore it. And, and they probably still should do their due diligence. But I, as of right now, Amendola has passed pretty much every test. And uh, unless unless he botches the Eagles game, he should be good to go for the season. All right, well, looking forward to the Eagles game. I guess we should wrap this up. Obviously, joint practices this week. Please, for the love of God, we I can't take any more serious injuries. So, uh, you know, maybe scale it back a little bit, Robert. Maybe, maybe plays the twos and threes a little bit more. Um, but... Obviously, we have that to look forward to, and then the game on Friday. Our next podcast won't be coming out until after the game on Saturday or Sunday. So uh, when you look forward to these practices and this game on Friday, I guess who in your mind is really fighting for a, a roster spot because that's what this game is about, even though the starters should play even more than the last game. I think they should play about a half. Um, but still, regardless, there's a lot of players in the bottom of the roster and maybe not so bottom. You look at receiver position or defensive line, these are – guys who might get signed to other teams. I don't know when the last time you could say that about any Jets team, um, but there are a few guys fighting for roster spots. Um, I guess who in your mind really has to have a good week to, to solidify theirs. Yeah. I think the wide receivers is really interesting with Jeff Smith starting in the slot in this game. Vincent Smith continues to get those first team reps. Um, and then those two guys against Braxton Barrios, someone between those three has to be out at least one player. It could be two of those three guys. So that that's going to be interesting to see um, throughout these next few games or throughout, throughout this game and the two scrimmages we get this week. Um, but I think wide receiver is interesting. Uh, I'm interested to see Tanzel smart. If he can make a play to sneak in on the defensive line, Joe blue, it's highlighted him a lot in his film reviews. He's been playing great getting off the ball, creating penetration uh, at defensive tackle. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but maybe look out for Nathan Shepard as a possible surprise cut candidate. I wouldn't bet on it, but I just think he, Jonathan Marshall kind of brings the same thing that he does as very similar strengths and weaknesses. And Marshall's younger was drafted by this regime. Um, and Tanzel smarts kind of making it tough for them to cut him. So I just think about Nathan Shepard. I just keep it in right. the back of my mind. I wouldn't bet on it, but just take a look at it. The only positions that I'm pretty confident in are running back with the four being Johnson, Coleman, Carter, and P Ryan tight end with uh, Hearn and Wesco Croft and Griffin. I'm pretty sure about those two positions outside of that, maybe, maybe safety. I mean, it'll be a little weird because they're going to have to have Davis make the initial 53 and then 
maybe they put him on IR or they don't, but even that, you don't know. I think, I think Neesman should make an addition to May Joyner and, and Davis, but maybe Davis gets put on IR and Neesman gets cut initially, whatever. But um, outside of that, I mean, you look at, I don't know what the hell they're going to do at quarterback. I mean, do they try to keep three with it? My white and Morgan, do they try to sign a veteran? Do they just roll with uh, Wilson and, and Morgan? And then maybe they try to stash white on the practice squad uh, receiver, I, do you carry six or do you carry seven? If you carry six, are you cutting Barrios or are you cutting Vincent Smith or Jeff Smith? Um, the depth on the O-line is really interesting to me because I, I, with Alex Lewis retiring, with Cameron Clark going down, with Dan Feeney not looking great, um, what do you do there? I, I obviously, they added more, so you have to imagine him. He'll, he'll stick. Feeney's got a lot of first-team reps. You imagine he'll stick. Uh, Fant will obviously make the roster, so that's eight. Maybe they just roll there. Defensive line, like you said, that's a, a really highly contested battle, especially with Lawson going down. And um, that is really intriguing to me. The linebacker spot, I feel like with Davis going down, they're probably going to have to add. Davis is going to have to make the initial 53, so they're going to have to cut somebody, and then they can put him on IR. Um, but I feel like they need a little bit more space there. So there's a lot of different uh, battles that are, that are really intriguing to me um, in this game. I guess, I mean, obviously it's the Zach Wilson show though. I mean, that is what I'm really looking forward to seeing on, on, on Friday night. I guess, Michael, you've been okay with your predictions. I would say I, I kind of, what was your prediction for this? The Packers game again? I kind of forget. I forget as well. I can't, I can't call <laughs> myself a, a good predictor if I don't even remember my predictions. Well, but... you're a future teller. You don't know. You don't worry about the past, but your prediction oh, I, I for think Friday I, I think I did say, I said, I, I said Wilson would throw a touchdown. I said it was going to be Keelan Cole though. I said, I said, I thought he'd have a touchdown and an interception. So I was off too. Oh, wait, I think, hold on, hold on. I think I did say a Jets defensive back would get an an interception. So you did say that either safety or defense. Yeah. Okay. You were right about that. There you go. Okay. So you're still, you've had a prediction come through in both weeks, final week of the preseason. What's your prediction for Friday night or a few predictions? So let's go with Zach Wilson with their one more touchdown. This one will be to Corey Davis. Um, I'll go on the defensive side. Let's say, let's say Tanzel Smart gets a strip sack. Um, and then I'll throw, I'll throw one more. Um, we will get a 20 plus yard rushing touchdown. I'm not oh, okay. from any, it could be from any player. Okay. All right. I, I would say Zach Wilson throws a touchdown. I'm going to say it's to a running back though. Maybe Tevin Coleman. I'm going to say, you want a bowl one? Well, actually, hold on. I'll go one for the defense, then I'll get my bowl one. Uh, I'll say CJ Mosley gets an interception. Okay. With that. And I say the Jets block a punt. Ooh. How about that? All right. right? Who, who, who's going to block it? If you can it's going to be that. some. It's going to be somebody who won't make the roster. <laughs> Will it be like a block off the edge or like one of those tips by the big guys? No, it'll no, it'll be it'll be a linebacker. Safety, oh, well, well right? a punt, a punt's gotta be someone rushing up the middle. I was thinking right. of a field goal. A yeah, punt's no, gotta no, be. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a punt. That's my prediction. So we'll see. But you're the you're Nostradamus here. It's not me. So we'll see. All right, I'm I'm gonna tag on to that one then. Okay, let's go with. Hmm. Let Let's go with Bryce Huff blocking the punt. He's been playing big snaps on special teams. I've seen him doing some good stuff. Bryce Huff blocked punt. Okay. Okay. All right. I see that. I, I thought you were going to laugh at it because there was like that little silence or I thought you were going to just dump on it. Well, 
you know, I, I learned my lesson after the, the Jonathan Marshall one week one. So I don't doubt anything. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to, th- I was trying to think of a Nania Nostradamus name for you, but I can't really come up with one. Um, no, I'm not going to try. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. We covered a good bit here. Um, we'll be back. As I said, probably Saturday or Sunday reviewing the Eagles game. We'll be talking about roster cuts. Um, actually, you know what? I guess that, well, I don't know. We'll figure out the exact schedule, but it'll come out sometime on the weekend. Talking to the Eagles game, talking roster cuts, our 53-man roster prediction. So a lot to look forward to there. Um, as we said earlier, just please, for the love of God, no injuries. Um, I mean, or no serious long-term injuries this week and joint practices because the Jets lost a lot of soldiers in, in Green Bay. That was a, a tough week for them. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing some guys come back. I mean, I don't know if Elijah Moore and Elijah Vera Tucker are going to come back exactly this week. It seems like they should get some reps. I, I don't think I'd even play them in the game, but give them some reps in the joint practice if they're if they're able to go. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Rankins and Quinnen and Mims back and, you know, Joiner and we'll see when when Dave I think Davis and Curry are out till Ashton Davis and, and Vinny Curry are out to week two, I believe. So we have a, a little bit uh, to go on those guys, but um, that'll do it for us. You can find us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow this podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you could go to jetsxfactor.com. Uh, best place to go for Jets content. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Helps the pod out tremendously. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube channel. I think that's it. Michael, any last words? I, I would definitely check out uh, what we have going on at Jet X. There, there are too many Zach Wilson film breakdowns for me to even count. I think we I think we have four Zach Wilson breakdowns going up this week. And I've been doing Michael Carter, the second stuff, Connor McGovern stuff. We have all 22 film now, so definitely check it out. All right. Uh, you heard it from Michael first. Uh, everybody have a great week. Go Jets. No injuries.